Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. It's Black Friday, so Patrick and I are picking three guys each we think could be traded on the move this season. We're going to wrap up with, obviously, Hot Streak Shooting Slump. Let's get into it. Okay, Patrick. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy How was your Thanksgiving, my friend? Pretty good. Always love slime. Slaying, slaying. I always love playing and slaying. I guess some turkey bowl football, you know, putting up my 200 yards versus the no rush defense. Jeez, jeez, you just put the team on your back, it sounds like. Oh, we did lose. Oh, okay, okay. Wow, there must have been just some phenomenal performances on the other side. Oh, incredible. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm glad. I feel like we're inching closer and closer to, like, the NBA being the star of the show in just like the general sports consensus. But um, we've had some crazy things go on this week in the world of the NBA. Yeah, we've had the Josh Giddy situation. So for those of you who missed it, it looks like Josh Giddy has been um, in, I guess, relationships with people who are ranging from 15 to 17. It's not yeah, fully confirmed. A lot but of mixed reporting on it, but definitely like not Chet great Holmgren situation. has unfollowed him on social media and deleted a lot of tweets with the two of them. And I think if the teammates start distancing themselves from you, that's very telling, especially on a young team. Yeah, I mean, it'll be super interesting. I think by the time this podcast comes out, we'll probably have an answer. But the Thunder play early tomorrow and... From all the reporting that's come out, I would expect that Josh Giddy would be suspended, and I would hope that he would be suspended for that game and games coming up. But I could see the Thunder releasing him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so the one thing that I'm kind of interested in is none of the major media outlets have really reported on this story yet. So it, it does give me pause to say like what is actually happening. But if if the rumors are true, he, I, I think he, they should. I think it's the perfect storm where a story breaks on Thanksgiving Eve mm -hmm. and then everyone's off Thanksgiving. So like all the NBA offices are closed. Probably most of the Thunder offices are closed. Most journalism, you know, outlets are taken. That's like one of the few days off for a lot of journalists. So I think Today, you're going to see a lot coming out. Maybe even during the pod, we'll see some stuff coming out. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, a situation like this, I think we stand together. Um, no matter what the age of consent is in Oklahoma, if you are a powerful and influential basketball player and you're using that to influence underage people, like you need, you, help. You need help and you need to be released and and I, I'm sorry I have no respect for you yeah I just I just think it's really strange like again like you know a lot of times with the NBA we're talking so much about like numbers and basketball but like the human side of like being that rich and famous when you're young is also just like why are you going for people so it's it's, it's just strange yeah it's really strange it's disappointing um on a number of levels and I don't know I feel like yeah I just I don't kind of cover that do you want to play a game well, in that going off what we just talked about, maybe I don't want to play a game. Yeah, so let's play a game. All right, let's play a game. All right, so this is kind of like just completely shifting our focus. We're moving from there. off the giddy. We're getting off giddy, um, just like the Thunder should do. And um, we're going to play a little game that I like to call Cool or Cooked, where we're cooked. You know, it's the Thanksgiving season. We're, we're eating a lot of turkey. And 
I'm going to give you two legendary coaches that have had some pretty, um, you know, statement um, quotes lately. The first one, I'm sure you all saw mid-game of the Spurs-Clippers game this Wednesday. Greg Popovich decided to take the mic when Kawhi Leonard, his ex-player, ex-finals MVP, was at the free throw line and receiving some boos from the audience. And he said, excuse me for a second, please stop all the booing and let these guys play. It's got no class. It's not who we are. Knock off the booing. James? Pop's cooked. Pop's washed. I honestly think Pop is washed. Okay. I've seen three weeks of Point Sohan. You cannot tell me that that's a legitimate attempt to win basketball games. Telling your fans not to boo a player who, let's be honest, the way Kawhi left San Antonio was very weird circumstances. If you go back in time, remember he had an injury. Tony Parker was like, I had the same injury. It's not that big a deal. Why is this guy not playing? He let, he didn't, Kawhi Leonard did not leave on clean, clean terms no, whatsoever. Not. So to tell the fans to stop expressing their passion for your team, I think is not only cooked from that standpoint, but X's and O's wise, I think this guy might be washed too. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I was a little surprised that Kawhi is still getting booze in San Antonio. And I think, for me, the idea and sentiment, when I saw the headline, I was kind of cool with it. I'm like, hey, like, he's a very important historical figure for the Spurs. I kind of like that. But, like, the actual quote is just kind of weird. He's He wasn't at all trying to protect... Kawhi Leonard, he was more just kind of saying like, hey, we don't boo people here, which is like... Yes, you do. Yeah, it's not true. <laughs> this, this is a professional sports environment. Like, this is what happens. These aren't children. These aren't college players. Like, what are you doing? You're cooked, Pop. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I, obviously, the segment's not really about X's and O's, but it is like an interesting thing with coaches because I feel like with players, obviously, we view like young players as a commodity where they can come up and they can get better, and then as they hit like 30, 32, they start to decline. But like, no one talks about how coaches also improve and decline over time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's so many examples of, of that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about Steve Kerr. Okay, Steve Kerr. In their loss to the Phoenix Suns this Wednesday, Steve Kerr was a little bit perturbed in his post-game press conference. He said, in this building, you can't hear anything because it's like a club. It's like a South Beach club out there. I'm being dead serious, he said after all of the reporters kind of like nervously started to laugh at what he was saying. I, I couldn't hear anything out there. The whole game is just thumping techno club music. Can we just have a basketball game? What the hell? Is he cool? I'm giving Steve Kerr the cool for that. I, I, okay. Sometimes I feel like the music in arenas is just blaringly loud. I think, you know, I might be a little bit of a boomer, Patrick. I might be a little bit of a, a lame person. But I'm usually the guy who's like, all right, can we turn the music down like a couple of notches almost anywhere I go? <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I, I got to be honest. I think that's a, it's a little bit of a cooked statement for me. Are you a big like headphones guy? Um, honestly, no. Because, yeah, I never wear headphones or anything like that. Like, I don't know. I just can't do the, the too loud stuff. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's a professional sports environment. You're on the road. Like, and, and it's just, there's a time and a place for this. If he, if Steve Kerr is on, like, a random podcast and he's like, 
you know, like, I think we've made these show, these like basketball games a little too showy. I think that's a great like time and a place for this. Right after you lost like kind of a back and forth game to the Suns, what are you doing, man? Like, talk I, about the game. It, the, the techno music is not why you lost this game. Scott Foster is, is probably <laughs> more closer to that reason. Yeah, not to bury our main topic of the, our three guys we think could be traded, but I feel like Scott Foster has to go. Uh, yeah, okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah, this. like the, so, the whole Tim Donahue thing, he was a huge part of it. Like, he has to get – like, I can't believe he's still in the NBA. To back this up, um, anyone that didn't see – I don't know how you're watching this podcast and you don't know what we're talking about. But Chris Paul, of course, he has had a long-term feud with – one of the NBA's lead referees, Scott Foster. And in Chris Paul's return to Phoenix, at late in the second quarter, Chris Paul got into a little spat with Scott Foster, barking words back and forth, arguing about a call, and he got a quick double technical and got thrown out of the game. Yeah, and also um, it was revealed by Chris Paul that they actually had to have a meeting when he was a member of the Clippers with him, Doc Rivers, and Scott Foster. And I feel like the NBA, especially... In any of these sports leagues, but in the NBA in particular, because the NBA's had the Tim Donahue scandal, right? This like huge scandal that a ref was not necessarily fixing games, but revealing to people maybe who were maybe he was fixing games. Yeah, but not far at from least, it. Yeah, not far from it. But at least was saying like, hey, like this ref has a gripe against Iverson. You can use that knowledge, you know, to your benefit. And like with Chris Paul's record and Scott Foster games, I think it's literally like two to five wins and like almost thirty losses in his last like forty with the guy. So like Chris Paul's one of the winningest regular season and like like players ever so that record is clearly an outlier so i don't know i feel like the nba has a responsibility to like if they're not going to get rid of scott foster just never assign him to another warriors game the rest of the season yeah i mean i chris paul was just on my team for a couple seasons in a row so i was following this scott foster versus chris paul thing very close and it's real and, and it's it's one it's definitely real and I, I, I kind of come at it from a, a different way, but close to where you're coming from it is like the NBA is so hard to referee and like you see it with college basketball all the time. There, there are such poor referees in college basketball. And I, I do think Scott Foster is like an NBA. Obviously he's, he's kind of a legend as it goes in like the refereeing ranks, but once you have a, a player-referee relationship that is notable enough to become a headline in the way Chris Paul and Scott Foster's relationship is, it's very simple what the NBA should do. And it's exactly what you said. They, Scott Foster should never referee another Chris Paul game because there's just that little, little idea that it might not be a completely fairly ref game. And why are you putting yourself in that situation, NBA? Yeah, I yeah, I just think like it's yeah, it's just irresponsible on the NBA's part. Like, especially just to go back to it, like the more the NBA is like kind of titling up to these like gambling companies, like you have to really get the officiating under wraps. And I feel like that's one like legitimate, I think, critique of like Adam Silver and the way the NBA's been is like the refs seemingly have gone unchecked for a long time. And the refs, the refs, like, I think the one problem with the NBA refs you really see is, like, NBA players know how to game the refs. 
Mm-hmm. Like Kobe Bryant's book, um, you know, where he talked about how I played. It literally details. There's a whole well, couple pages on how he gamified the refs and found ways to manipulate the refs. And it's like Draymond Green can go on these temper tantrums every other game. And does it's like usually he doesn't even get attacked. But Chris Paul says one thing to Scott Foster and he's kicked out of the game. So I think it's just like NBA players have learned, like, if I just act really poorly enough, I build up a tolerance where I give myself more leeway. It's just I don't know. I feel like the refs really need like they need an overhaul. They have a really difficult job. No one's doubting that, but I don't know, man. It just seems like, yeah, I, I just think you can't put yourself in that situation yeah. where where you think where fans think that a game might be compromised. Yeah, if there's that idea, like it's so easy to avoid. There are so many other refs in the NBA, especially on that Wednesday night. How many games were there? There there's was a lot of big games. Yeah, that there night. was like ten games being played. Scott Foster couldn't have been on any of the other games other than Chris Paul's return to Phoenix. Like, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I think they have to do something about that. It's like, it's just, it's kind of suspicious if they don't, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a conspiratorial person. I I don't think think it's it's suspicious. I just think it's careless and stupid. Yeah, careless, for sure. All right, well, Patrick, should we get to our three players that we each think could be on the move this year? Let's do it. Who is your first player you think could be on the move? My first player, I I don't know if I think he will be on the move. I, I don't know if I think he could be on the move, but I think he should be on the move. And I am going to reach out to my Pacific Northwest brethren. Please, trailblazers, consider moving off DeAndre Ayton now before he has absolutely no trade value. <laughs> he, this guy is on a $30 million contract. He is averaging lows across the board other than rebounding, but I think there are a little bit of like empty rebounding stats, but he's averaging six points lower um, per game than he has in, in the last couple of seasons. He was pretty much always an 18 points a game guy. He is now a 12 points a game guy. He is not, he's averaging like a half a free throw attempt a game. And you know what? This is what happens when your guard play goes from like kind of like primey Chris Paul and little pre prime Devin Booker to the, you know, kind of poo poo platter of what we've seen from the Trailblazers thus far. And you know what? Like this whole Dame trade was all about getting assets and flipping those to like multiply them and push them down the line. And I I don't see why they shouldn't be treating DeAndre Ayton like that at this point, because I think it's clear that over the course of this contract, the trailblazers are not going to be good. And I just don't see him being their center of the future. I guess the reason I don't see Aiton being a guy who could be on the move this year is because of that contract, the years left, and his level of play this year, to me, suggests he's not going anywhere. And if he is, their Blazers might have to package picks with him to get off of him. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's still so close to when the trade happened that you could could sell it as like a a, a poor fit in, in Portland. 
It's it's hard to sell it as a poor fit. I don't know if you've seen that video that's been going around like NBA Twitter that people have been memeing on him where he sets like three screens where he makes no contact with anybody. Obviously, you don't want to hey, like. He's been doing that his whole career. I know, but you don't want to judge a player off like a you know an NBA Twitter you know you know meme clip. But it's also one of those things where it's like, hey man, if you really care like about winning games, like set your screen, like get get to the guy's hip, like really make contact, and if like. He's not showing that, and he's getting paid thirty. Like I don't really see how Portland's going to be able to trade him as an asset to get anything of value back. Exactly, exactly why they need to do it now because it's only going to get worse. It, he's only going to become more and more of a toxic trade, toxic trade value, and, and that's why I think like you should really like buckle down and see like, hey, anybody want to take a chance on a guy that like hypothetically can be a 2010 guy and one team. So my, my like fake trade for this is a team that has reportedly had a lot of interest in Deandre Aiden in the past has super, super high level guard guard play. And that's the Dallas Mavericks. It, it, it would be a super simple trade. It's Tim Hardaway jr. And Rashawn Holmes for Deandre Aiden. You take another bite at the apple. See like if you can get some, high-level um, play out of DeAndre Ayton. We've seen it in the playoffs. We've seen it. That Pelican series, he was the he was close to the Suns' best player. He was uh, amazing in a couple games in that series, not to mention the 2021 um, Suns' finals run. I don't like that trade for Dallas, man. I mean, what are you losing? But I think the guys you're trading in that have shorter contracts, no? Two years. Uh, it's not expiring money. Uh, if I'm Dallas, I just, I don't know, man. Getting tied up with three big contracts and one of them being Aiton kind of scares me. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But um, I, I think there's upside for them. Um, the Derek Lively um, injury is a little, a little scary. And yeah. it's just like, it's basically the same exact bet that you made on Rashawn Holmes, except you're losing Tim Hardaway Jr., which... Personally, I don't think it's like the biggest loss in the world. It's not, but it is another guy who's, you know, able to shoot playoff. He plays off Luka really well. He's a little too shoot happy for me, but Hardaway's kind of fit pretty well in Dallas. I just feel like you can get like 60% of what you're getting out of Tim Hardaway Jr. in like more Jaden Hardy minutes. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. You, any other teams you think you could go to? Um, no. Honestly, <laughs> I, I that's the only team. I feel like... It's it's clear like they could really use like just more center depth. Yeah, they definitely could. Um, and and it would give lively just a little bit more of like room to fail. But um, yeah, that was that was the trade I found. I think maybe like Portland throws in a couple seconds. I think my other fear for Aiton on Dallas though is we've seen Jason Kidd is kind of a tough love coach, and Aiton does not seem to respond well to his own coaches being like, "Hey, dude." Play better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. We saw uh, we saw um, De- all of DeAndre's best years were with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, absolutely like cursing his name every single time he touches the ball. That's so true. So maybe that's what he needs. That might be what he needs. All right, Patrick, are you ready for my first player? I- I'm ready. I'm so ready. So this is a player I think people have kind of been making you know fun of in the the, the league circles, but this is a guy who you're going to be surprised actually way better than we all think. Kyle Kuzma. So Kyle Kuzma is 28 years old. The reason I think he is really tradable is because Kyle Kuzma has been balling this season. I know people are probably thinking, well, he's on a high usage, bad team. Patrick, 
the Wizards lineup with Kuzma and no Jordan Poole are plus 8.8 per 100 possessions this season. Damn. Smaller sample size, that's definitely going to normalize. Actually, the most played lineup that features that is actually negative. But the cumulative, Kuzma without Poole seems to be good. I'm not kidding. Poole is one of these players that's really becoming a toxic presence on every team. Um, so here's why I like Kuzma. He's shooting 39% on his catch-and-shoot threes. This is a guy who's already played on the off-ball role on a championship team. He knows how to do it. He's 6'9". He can play defense. We've seen that with the Lakers. This guy is big. He can be physical. He's not the most physical, but he can be that if asked to. He already knows how to fit onto a championship team. Here's the best part about Kyle Kuzma and why the Wizards should trade him to maximize the value to go to your eight and point. He's on a four-year, $90 million contract, but it's declining. 25 this year, 23 next year, 21 the third year, and only 19 the fourth year. Kyle Kuzma is going to be 32 years old, getting paid $19 million as the salary cap rises. Honestly, the way we're seeing guys age now, he'll probably still be a pretty damn good role player. Honestly, that's one of the best contracts. This is one of the best contracts in the NBA. So I think Kyle Kuzma actually has a ton of value. And if you're the Wizards, I really do think you could get one of these young rookies or really good draft picks. So few teams I think he can go to. Number one, OKC. uh, With Giddy likely being off the team, they're going to need a new power forward. Um... So they have the Bertons contract, which is $17 million. They have a couple other small deals that actually make the salaries work. Plus, OKC has a giant litany of draft picks. I feel like this trade is almost too good to be true for the Thunder. I, I, I love that trade for the Thunder. And the part of the fit that I love the most is Kyle Kuzma showed it really last season. But last season, Kyle Kuzma was one of the best rebounders in the NBA. And that is exactly what the Thunder need next to Chet is somebody who can like hit the boards, really commit to his role. Like you said, we we've seen that in like a championship ecosystem. Um, I love that. Who else do you have? So another team I have is Atlanta. So DeAndre Hunter has been kind of disappointing in Atlanta. He's on a fairly sizable contract. Um, so Atlanta has protected Kings picks, which obviously are probably going to be like not lottery pick. So Atlanta doesn't really have the type of ammo they need. They might have to give up one of their younger players along with Hunter to get Kuzma. But I think swapping Kuzma for Hunter would be a huge positive for the Atlanta offense because Hunter just really hasn't been all that. He's an okay three-point shooter and he's, you know, supposed to be a good defender. Supposed to be. He's also way older than you think he is. DeAndre Hunter is like already 25, 26 years old um, because he was a senior when he got drafted. So it's one of those things where you're really not even getting older when you trade for Kuzma here. You're just upgrading. Um, I like that. I wrote Dallas, but I don't really like Dallas as much for Kuzma because it kind of puts Kuzma too much into his Lakers role, whereas I feel like he's built, he's developed as a player so much, whereas I feel like Dallas kind of puts him more into like catch and shoot and doesn't really do his driving game. What I really like about that OKC fit is the giddy role is going to allow him to drive. He won't play make as well, but he'll be way more efficient scoring. Yeah. I mean, I feel like OKC kind of has like a glut of playmaking anyways, which like you can never have too much playmaking, but like. A little bit more finishing uh, of plays will definitely help them out. Not that they even need it. Yeah. So the only thing with Kuzma is he's not allowed to be traded until the 15th. But I think this is a guy that come trade deadline is going to be kind of this year's OG Ananobi where it's like, holy cow, Kyle Kuzma, like someone's going to trade for him. And especially with that contract, like I really think the Wizards could get a good bag for this Kuzma trade. I hope they do. Yeah. Because boy, do they need it. You know, especially after the the return that they got from the Bradley Beal trade and and Chris Dapps, like they got a little bit more for Chris Dapps, but they need they, they need, need a good haul. They need more. Wait, so just to touch on something though, you said Kyle Kuzma was one of the best rebounders in the league last year. 
He was just a like very for his position. For his position, okay. He was a really good rebounder. He, I think, there was like a good amount of the season where he was averaging like ten rebounds a game, which like, yeah, the Thunder could use that from a four is like a huge coup, especially like we've seen the NBA has like really like started to um, push like crashing the offensive glass like as a trend more and more this season which i i just think he that it's an underrated thing that he less of he's one of the best rebounders in the nba more of he's one of the most underrated rebounders okay in the NBA, i got you and i love that in his game i was gonna say i'm singing kyle kuzma's praises but he's yeah, at like yeah. six per game right now so i was a little like whoa is there something i don't know is he just have a crazy rebounding rate that's not showing no no, no. he's just it's just something that he does well all right, who is your next player? Okay, my next player is someone who it's not a surprise at all. It's DeMar DeRozan. He is on the last year of his $30 million deal uh, per year. He, um, you know, he's still a bucket. He's he's still doing his doing his thing. He's averaging a little bit the of the last three years. Uh, two years ago, he had his huge, like, all-NBA, return to all-NBA season where he was averaging 27 points a game. Now he's averaging 21 points a game. But I, I still think with his playmaking, he could really be a huge like wave in the, the title race this year. And like plainly, the Bulls need to move off of him. There's no reason that they should re-sign him, one. And they have already squandered so many assets in this like Zach Levine era, they need to find some value for him. So, um, I mean, really, there are so many teams that I think could use a DeMar DeRozan, and I would much rather invest in a DeMar DeRozan than, say, a Zach Levine, just because of like Zach's completely bloated contract. Not only is that like, swing from trading for a $30 million player to a $40 million player. Like it's a lot of money, but also it's just like so much harder to make the numbers work in a trade. Um, I think the Lakers would be a, a great place for him. I just like the, uh, I like the playmaking on that team. I like the idea of them having another scorer that they can, uh, turn to, um, it's funny that you brought up DeAndre Hunter because that's another trade that I had for DeMar DeRozan and probably close to my my favorite one. I don't know how much like pick capital they'll realistically be able to get for him just because it's an expiring contract. But um, a, a package basically based around DeAndre Hunter, some other like middling contracts, and then... Um, those Kings picks that you talked about, I think that's probably like right around the the price that they're going to end up being able to get for DeMar DeRozan. And I would love to see like that veteran scoring presence on the wing on, on the Hawks. And then if you're the Bulls, you get another bite at the apple at still like a relatively young wing that's under contract control. Um, did you think about having DeMar DeRozan in this conversation? Honestly, I'm I'm I hate to poo-poo some of your your guys. I just I I think DeRozan and Levine are both going to be really hard to move. I think the problem with 
DeRozan. I actually really like that Atlanta fit because I think that does kind of give them. I mean, obviously Murray's a big guy in the mid range too, but I think giving them DeRozan really helps diversify their offense in a way that Atlanta badly needs, um, even more than a Kuzma trade would. Yeah, yeah. So I do really like that for Atlanta. I think it's just tough for me to see him going to a team like the Lakers just because it's another one of those guys where how many LeBron possessions do we want to switch with the Rosen possessions that end with mid-range jump shots? Even if he is a good mid-range shooter, I think is a little bit of like, if I'm a Lakers, you know, front office person, I take a little bit of a pause on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. It's just for, for me, the interest in the Lakers would just be completely based on having another guy that can score in isolation. Yeah. Because, because their half court offense needs, does need help. Yeah. yeah. And, and he would help a lot. And it's, it's another passer that you feel pretty good about. DeMar's been a guy that, that can play up. So you can, I think you could play some pretty interesting, like 80 at the five DeMar LeBron, LeBron lineups. Yeah. Uh, like super jumbo, super get Austin Reeves in there. It's like all plus passing. You're just like pinging the ball around. Um, but I just think I would really love to see DeMar in a winning place. I really tried to get DeMar to uh, Miami. I think that that would be like a super fun fit for me. I think culturally he would fit right in. But it felt so wrong trading him for Kyle Lowry that yeah, I just had to like go my, off of it. Miami really doesn't have the flexibility to make these trades without getting rid of Hero. And if I'm the Heat, the way Hero played before he got injured, I'm just not sure I want to give up my Hero for yeah, expiring. For, yeah, exactly. That's And that's why I end up not having them on this list. But, but yeah, anyways, my favorite of all the trades that I looked into is that Hawks trade. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that would be kind of a coup for the Hawks and, and really a game changer for them. Yeah. All right. My next player is Malcolm Brogdon, another Portland guy. Obviously, me and you are kind of in the mindset Portland should probably sell guys they think they might have value. I actually don't know how much value Malcolm Brogdon has. Uh, so he's averaging 17.7 points per game, about four rebounds, about six persists. He's having pretty bad shooting splits. She's shooting 46 from the two, 37 from the three. So that's good. Um, I think a lot of the shooting splits is because this team is just an absolute mess on offense. I think there's a lot of coaching malpractice going on there. Um, another reason I think his value is going to be really, really low is this offseason, the Clippers actually tried to trade for him while he was with the Celtics, and it fell apart because of his health. Uh, I think he failed a physical at the time. So he has two years left on a contract that is paying him $22.5 million this season and next. So there's two things I think he could go do. Number one, the San Antonio Spurs. This team desperately needs NBA-level point guard play. The problem is Sohan is a sub-NBA-level point guard. He has horrible vision. There's literally multiple instances now where there's just clips of Sohan bringing the ball up, Victor being wide open in the paint, and just Sohan just not throwing him the ball. You see the Spurs completely transform when Trey Jones is in the game. The problem is Trey Jones is a sub-NBA-level scorer. Um, he's really bad at uh, scoring both from three, from two. So with the Spurs, you have a guy who can't score and shoot, and you have a guy who can't score. Victor, if we're really trying to develop Victor, help Victor out, make him a better NBA player, the, the Spurs owe it to themselves to trade for Malcolm Brogdon. Because Brogdon, you know, you have him this year, you have him next year, then you probably just let him go. But he's really just there to help grow Victor, help you know, help grow Vassell. Vassell is also playing in this system where it's kind of the Wild West. The Spurs... You know, to kind of go back to the pop point, how much should we pan the Rockets for just being the Wild West of you can shoot it, you can shoot it, you can shoot it? The Spurs look a lot like last year's Rockets. Yeah. Like yeah. at some point, we got to talk about like 
you're not as you 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 can try to develop Sohan, but if you're doing it at the detriment of developing Vassell and Wembenyama, what are you what doing? are you doing? So I think this trade just makes so much sense for the Spurs because I don't think they're gonna have to give up much to get Brogdon. Uh, on the flip side, if you think I might be a little low on Brogdon's value, a team that I think would be paying more proper value is Philadelphia. Uh, so Maxi has been a revelation for Philly, but the non-Maxi minutes, it's, you know, it's Melton. It's not really like it would be probably nice to shore up those like 16 minutes that there's no maxi out there. So I think Philly is another team. Uh, Portland would just get expirings. And this is really more of a like, Hey, we'll do Melton Brogdon a favor type of trade. Yeah. That's what I was going to bring up is like with, or even just with how it seems like cool Malcolm Brogdon has been in coming to Portland and really committing, playing his role. He's played super well this season as well. well I wonder. Well, I don't if know if he has cool. played super, super well, just because the shooting is down so, so much. So I think his value is a bit lower. But also the ecosystem, the that ecosystem he's playing horrible, within, yeah. like, is not. I, I, I just think eye test wise, he's looked like Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, he looks like the the main cog of that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He looks like the best player on the team day in day out, which I like. So yeah, I wonder. But I, I would love to see him on the Spurs, like. He, the way he would space the floor for them, the way he would just make them look like an actual NBA team would be so nice to see around Wembenyama. Yeah, they, they look like a summer league team. Who is your final player? My final player is the guy who we all thought was going to be the bell of the trade deadline ball last season. The guy that we have been begging the team up north to trade for so long now, a guy that we all love to watch, his name is OG Ananobi. He is averaging uh, 14 points a game this year, which is like for a role player that it, he doesn't have that many on-ball reps is like pretty reasonable. But we obviously know that the real value there is his defense. He's one of the most like switchy defenders in the league. He has an amazing frame. He is on an expiring deal. I just, I don't see him re-upping with Toronto. Uh, he might, but I think this is the perfect, a lot of times with these like super role players, you, I, I think what they would get in a trade would be more valuable than OG Ananobi on a gigantic deal, which is what he's going to sign next season. So, with all that being said, I want to see him in South Beach. Oh, the heat. I, I want to see him in Miami. We talked a little bit about Tyler Hero um, before, but I, I think if if you're trading Tyler Hero, let's can we talk about uh, Tyler Hero a little bit? Yeah. He, Tyler Hero is a good player. Yeah. He, he When we've seen him on the court this season, he's been really awesome. When we saw him on the court pretty much at any time, He's been really awesome. But am I taking crazy pills? The Heat don't need him. They just don't need him to yeah. be good. They don't need him to win games. They really haven't. Yeah, I mean, if the Heat could flip Hero for Ananobi, I would love that for them. I think Tyler Hero is exactly the kind of player that the Raptors don't have. He he like would take so much pressure off of Scotty Barnes. Um so the trade that I was looking at is it would be OG, Gary Trent Jr., Thad Young for um, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. 
You're kind Ooh, of- it's hard to give up Duncan though. <laughs> it's hard to give up <laughs> Duncan the way Duncan's been playing for uh, the Heat this year. Imagine a year ago if I if I offered this trade to you. Times changed though, man. Duncan's driving to the hoop. He's schooling guys now. He's a whole new NBA player. But I think if you inject OG Ananobi into this Heat roster, it just becomes this whole other like Pat Riley coded like just defensive monster team that like would just give so many problems to like especially the Celtics and the Bucks, like it's exactly what they see in their nightmares. I think I, I agree with that. I think that the issue for the Heat is you're giving up two like great, great shooters for a good shooter. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to lose Duncan. Duncan's doing a lot for the Heat this year. It's he's like a different player this year than he has been at any point in his career. He's doing a lot of driving, he's doing like the shooting has come back. He had like a couple of seasons where his like shooting dipped. Um But you get Gary Trent Jr., which is like He's a real scorer in yeah. this league. He can do a lot of what um, Duncan can do as far as like totals offensively, and then and then you get OG Ananobi, who's really yeah, who's really good, and is gonna make your defense like literally the best defense in the league, like a front court of OG Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, with a backcourt of Kyle Lowry. Yeah, like that is a freaking monster of a. Um, of a just starting five right there. Yeah, I had three honorable mentions, and OG was one of them. So he does have a player option, but to your point, he's probably going to decline it to get paid way more. Um, just Toronto, I don't know. Toronto just seems like hell-bent on never losing a trade, and it's resulting in them just like not trading anybody. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think it, it makes more sense, especially with how Scotty Barnes has played this year, to trade Pascal Siakam. I think one of them should be traded, but Pascal just makes, he, he makes in that like mid thirties range that makes the trades really hard. Yeah. And that's to your point. I think those kind of trades are the ones that are even harder not to lose when you're trading the best player in a trade. Yeah. It's yeah. Ananobi is going to be really interesting. I think there's a lot of teams that he could go to and help instantly. It's just, it's just what is Toronto's appetite to trade him? Yeah, yeah, and to your point, like, bringing up other teams that could be interested, I think the Grizzlies could be super interested in an OG Ananobi. I think the Lakers could be super interested. Um, Really, like, every team in the NBA with assets, I don't see why you wouldn't at least sniff around in an OG Ananobi trade. Yeah, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Maybe not. Who is your third player? This might sound crazy. I love it. Larry Markkinen. Ooh. Lowry Markkinen is a seven foot, twenty six year old on the best contract in the NBA. He's getting paid seventeen million this year. He's being paid eighteen million next year. His contract is incredibly tradable. So you're probably wondering how is he going to get moved? Why would Utah trade him? Um, so from Utah's perspective, it doesn't really matter to them if he's on a seventeen million or a thirty million dollar contract this year, or next year, right? Because they're not filled with cap, you know, hurting players. Um, their GM is Danny Ainge. Who better to sell high on a guy like Lowry Markkinen than Danny Ainge? It's true. So here's the secret sauce with Lowry Markkinen. It's not too much of a – it's kind of an open secret. So the guy is an amazing scorer. He's averaging 23.7, almost nine rebounds, 
on 59% two-point shooting, 38% three-point shooting. So what's the big deal? Ever just one assist a game as a lead usage guy on his team. Um, this is one of the worst assist to usage rate guys in the NBA. So this guy is just a play finisher. He is not a playmaker. He's a straight-up play finisher. So sneakily, on a title team, he's not a number two. He's definitely a number three. If your number two guy is averaging one assist a game, you have real structural problems with your team. So I think of all people to know that this guy might be a, not fool's gold, but he's not a number two on a title team that he looks like in this number one role in Utah. So I think he could get traded. I think if any GM is going to maximize value, it will be Danny Age, right? We've seen it with a Trader lot of Danny, play. Trader of Danny. Course. So I had three teams that I think he could go to. Uh, the first one, I really built out the trade, but I kind of scrapped it because I don't think he's the greatest fit for this team. But I think Golden State Warriors could swing Ooh. a trade for him with Kaminga. Uh, Gary Payton pretty much matches the salaries. There'd have to be a little bit um, shifting around with some smaller contracts on top of those. But, you know, if you're the Jazz, you get Kaminga, you get Gary Payton. Gary Payton the second, probably not a big part of the long-term plans. But Kaminga's only 21. Um, you also get some draft picks from the Warriors. I just didn't really like the trade for the Warriors as much because I just don't know if Markinen's going to be able to play in that, like, ball movement heavy system with just how bad of a passer he is or how unwilling of a passer he is. So the team I fucking love for this is the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. Um, I knew you were going to say the Dallas Mavericks the second you said him. Okay. Give it to me. So the problem we have with like Kuzma, for example, is like, I don't really want Kuzma on the Mavericks because I'm taking away a lot of Kuzma's, you know, improvements as a playmaker. But I love marketing on the Mavericks because the size is something the Mavericks need. You have two seven-footers now with him and Lively. He can really shoot the three. This is a guy who isn't there to playmake. He is there to finish plays. So if there's any player that you're like, wow, who's a star player we could put on the Mavericks that actually fits next to Luka and doesn't really hurt what they do, it's Markkinen. Markkinen is almost tailor-made to play for the Mavericks. Um he almost instantly elevates the Mavericks, in my opinion, to that title contender status that I think me and you feel like they're kind of on the bubble of right now. Um, he gives them way more interior scoring outside of Luka and Kyrie. He Again, he's not going to have to change the way he plays to fit in Dallas, and I think that's the best part. And I actually think there's a Dallas trade for them that kind of makes sense. Uh, Josh Green, a good young player that Utah can have on their roster for whenever they get their star to build around. Omax Prosper, who hasn't really been playing for the Mavs, is really young. But again, a young guy who projects to be a good defensive player. That's another decent asset the Mavericks can throw. Uh, Kleber for salary and picks, future picks, unprotected Mavs picks. Probably won't be good if they make that trade, right? The Mavericks, if they do make this trade and have Markin and Luka, presumably Kyrie, are going to be really good. To speak to the, the pick situation of, of the Mavs right now, it looks like the most possible picks that they could trade is uh, a 2026 uh, unprotected first rounder, I would assume, and then a 2028, and then they could do pick swaps in 25 and 27. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to have to give up See, all three. I, if if I'm the Jazz, I'm not trading Lowry Markkinen unless you're blowing me away. That's fair. I But I think if Dallas is willing to do that, I honestly think this year's Mavericks with that kind of a trade is is a really dangerous team in the West. Yeah, I mean, that petrifies me as a Suns fan. Laurie Markkinen is a great legit, player. legitly great scorer in the NBA. And, like, putting him into an offense with Luka and Kyrie, like, that is some serious firepower. Um, at the end of the day, uh, it, it would be really tough for me to think that that would be the what we sell as the Jazz, uh, our, our Laurie Markkinen, like, 
trade chip on. Um, the other team I had, just as I guess the they have to pay a lot, was the OKC. I think the thing with OKC, though, is I think a lot of teams are like, they have all these unprotected picks coming. Most, almost none of the picks that OKC owns are unprotected. Almost all of them range from top four to top ten protected, which obviously, you know, guys like Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo are getting drafted like 12, 14. So you still want those lottery picks. But like OKC's picks, I think aren't quite as juicy as people think they are, but they do have those Clippers picks, unprotected, 25 and 26. They can match salaries with Bertans. I just didn't really like marketing for OKC as much because I feel like going from Giddy, who's not maybe a great scorer but a good playmaker, to just all of a sudden you have no playmaking from that spot because they're a little bit more... Um, they're a little less, you know, heliocentric than Dallas. I think marketing oddly fits more with the heliocentric team than a, you know, eagle out, what's the Egalitarian. Egalitarian system like OKC. Yeah, ah, dude, I don't know. Can you imagine, like, being spread out until your, like, arms rip off <laughs> by Chet and Lowry as your two bigs? I think Lowry in that kind of system would maybe be able to rebound a little bit more effectively. Um and I think OKC has like the picks package that could make a Danny Ainge like really start to salivate. I I I kind of love that. The- yeah, they're definitely they were one of the three teams I put. Um, yeah, for sure. I think he would fit there. I think it'd just be a little bit of an adjustment for them, just because I think they are kind of used to like everyone who swings the ball on that team, which is kind of the fun part about it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it it would definitely be like a a pivot in the. Uh, the system the system of uh, the thunder. Did but, you have any uh, honorable mentions? Um, you know, I I wrote down a bunch of names. Like I wrote down all of the Bulls guys: Caruso, Levine. Really, dude. That we talked about it a little bit pre-pod. That Levine contract is terrifying. Yeah. Like I, I I don't know how they're gonna move that at all, and it seems like that situation is just getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I think the Bulls, it's it's one of those weird things where it's like, you know, Levine is a good player, DeRozan's a good player, Vujic is a good player. If they're all good players, and you have Caruso as one of literally the best defenders in the league, why is the team so bad? Yeah, yeah. And, and you like, do have to ask yourself that at some point. You have a good coach, generally, like a very well-regarded coach, at least, yeah. in NBA circles, in Billy Donovan. Um, so, yeah, that's... That's pretty scary. Um, two names I was just combing over the NBA to try to trade, and I really couldn't find a great spot is Chris Paul and Clay Thompson. The more Clay Thompson had a good game against the Suns on Wednesday. Clay Thompson is just the opposite of what the Warriors need right now. Like I, they're not gonna do it, but I wish they would trade him. I, I it's just like at this point. He's not what you need, and you could fill $40 million in salary in, like, usable players that aren't just completely repetitive on on your cap sheet. Um, Patrick, do you want to know my fake Warriors-Raptors trade? (laughs) I would love to know your fake Warriors-Raptors trade. (laughs) This is is obviously not going to happen. I'm not suggesting this is going to happen, but it's a fun uh, hypothetical that I pulled off in 2K. Uh, Chris Paul and Kaminga for Ananobi and Boucher. Oh my God. The Raptors get playmaking, which will help develop Barnes. Obviously, Ananobi isn't expiring. I think Ananobi's going to leave. I think the Raptors should treat him like an asset that's going to leave. Um, and then they get Kaminga. I think Raptors fans are probably like, hell no. Absolutely hell no. Yeah. And I think Warriors would have to throw a lot of picks in a general, but kind of 
don't mind that for the Raptors developing their players with Chris Paul. It seems like everywhere Chris Paul's gone, not only do they get the immediate bump, but also like seems like the star player gets a lasting playmaking bump. Like it seems huh. like Chris Paul's been really good for Shea, for Booker. I think definitely those guys would be good regardless if Chris Paul went there, but you can't argue with the results that Chris Paul going to teams seems to help teams a yeah, lot. Hey. <laughs> if this was two years ago, I feel like it's like a lock it in thing. But yeah, I think Chris Paul has just slipped enough yeah. to where it's like, you got to give me some real really juicy, juicy And Kaminga's got to be a lot better for us to consider that. Absolutely. Yeah. Kaminga is like so Raptors coded. It, it seems like he's the kind of guy that uh, Masai would fall in love with. Uh, yeah, my two honorable mentions, Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, this I know I said that Markkinen is the best contract in the NBA. Finney-Smith's probably the second best contract. He's getting paid about $15 million a season. Uh, Brooklyn probably doesn't really know if they're trying to go up or down right now. They're kind of in a weird limbo state mm-hmm. given the c- condition of their roster. But DFS is basically the best role player in terms of just like you can plug and play him on any team. He's actually gotten a little bit better as a ball handler. That was his biggest weakness in Dallas was like couldn't really attack closeouts too well. Um, I just don't know if Brooklyn would want to trade him just because he is so, so good. It's one of those things where it's like, well, why would we trade him if we have this perfect asset? Absolutely. Um, the guy I put a lot of time into, build out a whole chart and everything, Gordon Hayward. He's an expiring $31 million, but the problem is, so Hayward actually started the season pretty well. He averaged 17, 5, and 5 on pretty good three-point shooting. He gets a hamstring injury, misses a game. He, come, he comes back, and he's just been like shooting like 1 of 8, 1 of 9, like 2 of 14, like five games in a row ever since that missed game. So I was like, well, he would be nice on a team like, you know, a, a Dallas, who I keep bringing up, but like $31 million is hard to trade. He is an injury risk, so obviously it's a one-year flyer. You don't have to give up a lot. But like, if he's already getting hurt, man, I think teams are just like, you know what? Let's wait for the buyout market. Yeah, my my one trade for Gordon Hayward was a just straight-up Chris Paul for Gordon Hayward swap because I do think Gordon Hayward would kind of fit perfectly in a Warrior system if he's right. You know, it's a guy that can move off ball. It's a guy that can pass a little bit and a guy that can hypothetically shoot. But like you said, it's like such a roll of the dice. Yeah, it's just, it's too much of a roll of a dice, I think. Um, Yeah. All right. So we just officially kicked off trade season. We did just kick off trade season. I feel like trade season is going to begin around, you know, like mid-December when the guys can get traded. December 15th when all these contracts are tradable. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's actually a little bit of upside this year, especially with the Bulls situation that people always talk about that December 15th date as like, the opening of trade season, but usually nothing really happens until we get much closer to the trade deadline. I think it could really like get hot this year a, a lot earlier, especially because I, I and I wonder what you f- think about this. I feel like this year, opposed to the other years that we've had the plan, there are like very and this will segue us into our next segment, but there are very clear and defined bottom feeders of the league this year oh my god can i can i run you through the list yes yes memphis three and eleven spurs three and twelve jazz four and eleven pistons two and thirteen trailblazers seven and nine in the in the last couple of years the plan was just it was such low stakes to be in the mix for that 10 seed that i think it kept teams like like portland of last year in it for that much longer. And this year, the bad teams have just been so, so bad to start out the season. And so that brings us, it's time. We are going to cross off another team from playoff contention. 
Yeah, so Patrick, I think, you know, we made a rule every two weeks we're going to cross one team off from the playoffs. I want to cross five teams off this week. What? <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. What pitch me pitch me on this. Okay, the Grizzlies are 3 and 11. Okay. They're awful. Okay. Yes, no. I mean like I'm with <laughs> okay. you. I'm okay. with you. Uh, I just don't know like should we should we string it along? And give these teams a little bit more time. Just I don't need any more time for the Grizzlies. John Morant, if he comes back and he's the best point guard in the NBA, this team still won't make the playoffs. And he won't be the best point guard in the NBA when he comes back. I'm just hot I, take. I, I'm with you, but I do feel like there is one team that stands strongly below them all as the team that there's just no shot. Well, well, hold on. So, so that's why I think so the Grizzlies should one. be crossed off. Grizzlies number one. The Spurs, we, we've talked about the Spurs enough. They're literally... Coaching malpractice. It's intentional tanking, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. The Utah Jazz are four and eleven. Um, they're hey, not good. The Jazz got some juice. The Jazz got some juice. They it's expired juice. <laughs> it doesn't taste very good. They, they're four and eleven. They're pretty much out of it. The Detroit Pistons are two and thirteen. Like I just I don't know. They're they suck. And That's my team. That's my team. Well, this, but see, this off. thing I I want them crossed off with these other teams. Yeah. I want to cross all these teams off. And the Blazers, they're 7-9. and nine. They're, you know, they might get a little bit of a run in them, you know, closer to as the season progresses. Maybe Scoot comes back from his third stint in the G League, um, and he's all of a sudden, no, that's not going to happen. Dominating awakes. Yeah, like, I don't know. Even if this team does kind of wake up and starts playing 500 basketball, the West is really like 11 teams vying for 10 spots. And mm-hmm. I just, the Warriors right now are that 11th spot. This team is not catching the Warriors, in my opinion, so... I don't know, Patrick. Are you okay crossing all five off? Breaking our rules? I mean, I, I, I think there's a clear five that we're going to do over the next 10 weeks if if we were to do this. Um, I'm okay doing it. Um, I, I did want to talk about how, just how bad the, <laughs> the Pistons are- have been. Like, they've been low-key historically bad this year. They right now have a 13 percent winning percentage right now do you know how many teams have made the playoffs after having a 13 winning percentage one two wow two one of them was in the 1960s so it doesn't really count it was the chicago bulls the jerry sloan guy rogers bob boozer chicago bulls which i know everyone in nba circles is just always talking about and then the real reason why i wanted to bring this up found this insane stat and why we should maybe consider not crossing all of these teams off. The 1996 Phoenix Suns, they, um, 15 games in, had a zero winning percentage and made the playoffs. They started 0-13, they fired Cotton Fitzsimmons, and do you know who they hired as their head coach? I do not. It's a man that we talked about earlier in this podcast. They hired Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge to be their coach, and him and a young Jason Kidd turned the season around, and they made the playoffs with a record of forty and forty-two. So now, I say this to to give all of my bottom feeder fans hope that no matter how bleak it is, it could turn around. And so, like we have precedent of teams this bad actually turning around and making the playoffs, but it's very, very rare. 
I feel like we need to cross off at least two of these teams, though. Okay, I'm down. I'm down to cross off two of these teams. Uh, the Pistons being the number one. Yeah, let's cross off team. the Pistons. Sorry, Pistons. Sorry, you Pistons. You have joined the Wizards. You've joined the Jordan Pool. You're in the pool party. Um, man, I I want to cross off the Spurs. I, that's exactly who I was gonna say. Yeah, we already talked about about how just Pop is cooked. He's a boomer. I don't know. He's probably before a boomer. He's a pre-boomer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just no way that they would be able to turn it around in the, in this Western Conference. And to compete. they're intentionally losing games. Yeah. I like. I don't know. I don't know. I just like obviously the NBA can't tell teams how to run their teams, but like this looks like tanking more than any other team. Like the Pistons, right? They suck because they have a lot of structural issues with the roster. You know what's um, hilarious about crossing off the Pistons and the Spurs in, in the same week? Preseason, I know Michael Malone just extended, and but preseason, Monty Williams and Greg Popovich, the two highest paid coaches in the league, and they're just not even close to competitive. No, these teams suck. Um, yeah, they're they're cooked. They're done. All right, they're off. They're, they're off. off the list. They are with. The Wizards in the wasteland of the NBA. I'm sorry, Pistons fans. I'm sorry, Spurs fans. You guys had enough fun in the early 2000s. No more fun for you guys. <laughs> Ever again. Ever again. <laughs> no, they have freaking Victor Wempanyama. You'll be fine. All right, it's Friday, which means it's time for Hot Streak Shooting Slump. Patrick, mm. do you have a hot streak or a shooting slump this week? Oh, mm. I, I know last week I said... That if I was completely healthy by the by the next week, it would be a sh- it would be a hot streak, and I'm not 100% there. But I'll say I'm on a hot streak just because. Look, it's the Thanksgiving season, and I got a hell of a lot of stuff to be thankful for. I'm thankful to be sitting right next to you talking about basketball on Black Friday. There's no place I'd rather be. I'm thankful to have a wonderful loving family. I went to I went to three Thanksgivings over the past 3 uh, over the past week. What? I I have had a lot of turkey. I've had a lot of potatoes. I'm full. I'm well fed. I'm feeling good and I'm loving life. The suns have been dominating. What 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 do I have to to shooting slump about? Huh? Nothing. Nothing. What about you, James? Um Let's go. Let's go. Hot streak. I think I'm on a hot streak. There we go. You know, like your sons, my heat heating up. Uh, did drop a game to a bolt to the Bulls after going up twenty to one, which was a little weird. But Jimmy Butler just yelling skyhook as he shot a skyhook brought a lot of life to me. Um, you know, I, Thanksgiving is like a holiday. I'm. I, I don't know. I I kind of love Thanksgiving more for the uh, the annual turkey bowl with my friends. You know, the thing is, like basketball, I get to play it a lot. Football's a sport you don't really ever get to play, especially as an adult. So it's kind of fun to get to play it once a year. It's really fun when everyone takes their initial sprint and they're like, well, I forgot how much the sport takes out of you. It's like, yeah, there's a reason they stop every other play. Um, I just kind of had a good week in general, you know, podcasts. I'm excited to keep doing this. I have a lot of fun doing this. Um, Yeah, it's just been a good week other than my my Giants winning. I didn't like that. Oh, there you go. Not everything can be perfect. Nothing can. Hey, but you've got Tommy DeVito. He, oh my he's God. got the Jersey juice. He's going, what do you think is in the Jersey juice? 
Uh, well, when I went to college out in Jersey, the Jersey juice was a lot of vodka, uh, <laughs> a lot of fruit, usually a lot of Kool-Aid. Um, How funny would that be if he was just drinking jungle juice, jungle on, the juice on the sideline? I mean, he played like that for the first two weeks. Yeah. I was assuming that it was like pasta water, yeah. like mixed, like maybe like 50-50 mix with just pure olive oil. Yeah. I think I, maybe I'm getting a little out of uh, weird here, but I saw like a TikTok once that was like... Day one of uh, zero waste, using my pasta water to make my coffee, and I was like, "Dear God, please stop! Don't ever touch coffee again. You're not allowed to talk about coffee. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to look at coffee. Just go." That's crazy. Yeah, I've I've seen that with some um, like cocktails. They like soak their alcohol in like like starches just to give it like a better mouth feel, like a little bit like thicker. And you used to do bartending. What do you think about that? Um, I think there's a time and place okay. for it. I I, I would. I'm not against it. I'm not against it. I think especially like with super spirit forward drinks like a uh, old fashioned or a martini, sometimes it's nice to impart like stuff like that to just have like a silky mouthfeel. I don't know how well it would actually work um, and if it would be a pleasurable like taste, yeah. especially with like non-fresh made pasta, but um, oh. <laughs> I'm interested in it. I, like I'm not, I'm not completely against it. Wow! All it's right, kind of like a like fat washing stuff, like that that'll impart the same kind of thing. But uh. yeah, well, I think we're getting a little uh, off our rocker here. Enjoy your Black Friday weekend, everybody. We'll see you guys on Tuesday on the other YouTube channel. So make sure you guys subscribe to that channel in the description, in the comments. See you there. Peace.